Hello there. It's me, Chris Durston. Or is it? And this is Philosophy Raga. Or is it? Yes, it, uh, yes, yes it is. Welcome to the podcast all about gaming and philosophy, where we're continuing our discussion around ontology. Last time we talked about the fairly dull view, if I'm honest, that everything does in fact exist pretty much as we think it does. You know, you look at a wall and it is in fact a real physical wall. Boring. So this time, lucky for you, we're talking about almost the complete opposite view. It's, it's a view that's been around for a very long time indeed, and at some point I want to talk about some of those earlier times, maybe in its own separate episode. But first, an anecdote. George Barclay was an 18th century bishop who was pretty sold on the idea that actually there's not really much of a material reality at all. All is immaterial, he said. Everything that we think of as being physical and material is actually just a mental perception, it's just an idea. There's actually a really simple argument for getting to this, and it goes like this. 1. We perceive ordinary objects, you know, houses, mountains, whatever. 2. We only perceive ideas. We don't directly get a mountain in our heads when we see one, just the idea of a mountain. Therefore, three ordinary objects are ideas. Or at least, we can't possibly know that what we perceive as things external to ourselves aren't just ideas. We have no way of interacting with things except through our senses, which communicate things to our mind as incorporeal ideas. Now the good anecdote bit. So, one time when Bishop Barclay was giving a speech about this, Samuel Johnson was in the audience. If you don't know Samuel Johnson, he's an absolute legend. He was one of the earliest lexicographers, which is to say a person who compiles dictionaries. Johnson's dictionary was a really impressive early effort at, you know, writing and defining all of the words that there are, and although he was a famously grumpy man, he wasn't without a sense of humour. His dictionary defined lexicographer as a writer of dictionaries, a harmless drudge that busies himself in tracing the original and detailing the signification of words. He also defined dull as not exhilarating, not delightful, and then illustrated that with the example, to make dictionaries is dull work. So he was kind of self-deprecating, and I like that. So anyway, Johnson heard Barclay talking about his theory of there being no material reality, and kicked a large stone and yelled, I refute it thus! I just think that's brilliant, it's such an 18th century mic drop moment. Of course, it totally missed the point, since Barclay wasn't saying you couldn't kick rocks, just that you were only really kicking an idea that you thought was a rock, and you wouldn't have any way of knowing the difference. Anyway, for obvious reasons, Barclay called his idea immaterialism. Wikipedia calls it subjective idealism, to distinguish it from other kinds of idealism, but I'm just going to call it idealism as a shorthand, because two words take longer to say than one. Although I've now spent long enough explaining that, that I've wiped out any time I might have saved, but... Oh well. You know who doesn't kick rocks, but does sometimes like to throw them? Link. You know, out of Zelda and all that. Well, there's this one game in which Link awakens, and if you're a fan of verbs that can be ambiguously transitive or intransitive, then I'm sure you'll love that it's not explicit whether Link himself is waking up or whether he's awakening something else. Ooh, grammar. So yeah, no, the game is Link's Awakening. Prepare for some spoilers, obviously, but A, the game came out in 1993, which makes it older than me, and I'm going to mention that because everyone seems to be younger than me these days and it's annoying, and B, what I'm saying here isn't really a twist because it's something that gets revealed fairly early on and then played around with a bit. So, here's the deal. 
Link finds himself on an island called Koholint and is told that he needs to wake up the Windfish, this big friendly sleepy lad who's like the guardian of the island. Turns out that not only is the Windfish asleep, the Windfish is dreaming, and not only is it dreaming, but the island of Koholint and everything on it is the dream of the Windfish. So nothing in this world is real, in the sense that we usually think of it. It's all just ideas floating through a fish's brain. Everything Link touches, everyone he meets, all the enemies that hurt him, none of it's really there. When the windfish wakes up, it's all gone. The dream is over, the world disappears. Link finds himself back in this other outside world, the one that's his reality. But the experiences he had in the unreal world? Well, those, those are real. And, you know, there's a bigger point here that I touched on in the last episode that maybe we can think about a bit more clearly now. Immaterialism or idealism is literally true for most video games, if not all. The worlds that you experience, the stories that you follow, the people you interact with when you're inside a game, they're all just ideas that you've interpreted from some light and sound. There is no material reality to them. On that topic, the Elder Scrolls games embrace this for absolutely all it's worth. I really wish I had a better understanding of some of the more arcane aspects of Elder Scrolls lore, but I don't, so suffice to say that a wheel seen from the front looks like a tower, and a tower looks like the letter I, and when you can remember that there's an I while also understanding that the I is you and that your existence doesn't exist, then you ascend to godhood or something? I don't know. Look up uh, Kim or Chim, C-H-I-M, and you'll find a lot of discussion on what's sometimes been thought of as, like, a kind of philosophical principle that characters within the games can use to be aware that they're characters within games. It's really cool, I don't understand it, but it's cool. But like, can you imagine if that actually happened? I'm imagining there would be some really odd reactions. Do you remember, for example, the story of Plato's cave in the last episode? If you remember, the prisoners could only see shadows on the wall in front of them, and as far as they could tell, that was all that the world really was. So let's carry it on a little bit. Let's imagine that one of the prisoners gets free. She stands up, she turns around, looks behind her and sees the fire, sees all the things that were casting the shadows on the wall, and she realises that what she'd been looking at the whole time was no reality at all. She leaves the cave, and at first the sunlight hurts her eyes, but she adjusts, and soon she's out there having a really wonderful time in this new world that she's discovered. Only now does she really understand what things are in the light. Things that she's only ever seen represented as shadow plays, she can now begin to truly think about. Then let's say she decides to head back down into the cave to free her fellow prisoners and bring them up into this awesome world. She descends back into the darkness, and she can't really see because her eyes are used to the sunlight now. She tries to persuade the other prisoners that what's outside is better than what's inside, but they see her kind of stumbling around blindly and assume that she must have been hurt by the process of leaving, so they don't believe her. If she tries to drag them out, well, they probably end up killing her. Sorry. Plato's Allegory of the Cave is a story about knowledge and reasoning. It's about people becoming enlightened, and it's also about how hard it is to persuade people who just don't want to hear difficult truth. But it's also kind of a story about levels of reality, right? If a video game character learned that they were in a game, that there was another existence beyond that, namely the one that you and I live in, then it'd be pretty tough to deal with, even though it would be enlightening. If they tried to go back and pass on the new knowledge that they had about this to other people in the game, I imagine some people would meet that with a fair bit of resistance. You know, if someone told me that I wasn't really living in reality, I think I'd have a pretty hard time accepting it. But I mean, am I? Like, can I, can I be any more confident that this is the real and most fundamental level of reality than someone who's living in a game can? Uh, who knows? Before we move on from Plato, what did he think about reality? Well, he was kind of an idealist as well, but of a slightly different flavour. 
Like I said, I think we should explore that in an entire episode at some point probably, but suffice to say for now that Plato had this idea that every real thing was just kind of an imperfect copy of a perfect idea of what that thing should be. For every table, you know, there's no perfect table in the world, every, all tables are slightly flawed, but there's, there's a perfect idea somewhere, a form of a table uh, that expresses what the perfect table would look like, and all real tables are kind of imitating that. So that's fun. Back to games for a sec, Final Fantasy X explores themes around reality too. I don't want to spoil too much, but the way that its world works means that places can kind of live on in dreams, in a state that is a kind of reality, but not a material one. People too can carry on existing in this way. In the Final Fantasy X universe, it works because there are creatures who are capable of doing a bit of imagining to bring these things to life, or something like life, and actually that takes us very nicely back to Barclay's idealism. We talked about how Barclay thinks that everything is perception, right? All that we experience as material reality is actually just ideas, just things that we experience. So, if you're Barclay, the answer to the question of whether a tree makes a sound if it falls down when no one's listening or no one's there to hear it, the answer to that question is actually pretty definitively no. Right? No one's perceiving it, so it doesn't exist. Or is that the case? See, a pretty big criticism of idealism, as you might expect, is that things don't seem to stop existing when we're not perceiving them. If I look away from something and then look back, it hasn't changed. You'd kind of expect if existence really was as arbitrary as whether I was perceiving a thing, that it might stop existing in the same way when I wasn't perceiving it, but our experience tells us that that isn't the case. Kettles boil when no one's watching them, paint dries with no one in the room, all kinds of stuff happens when no one's around. Now Bishop Barclay, luckily for him, happens to have a very simple response to this, and maybe you've already guessed it from his job title. God perceives everything, all the time. So even when nobody's looking, God is, and hence things can continue to exist. Things can happen when everyone's off elsewhere, which is handy. So although idealism or immaterialism might sound like a slightly kind of alternative view on the surface, it's actually kind of difficult to fully disprove. I mean, there are a lot of philosophical ideas that fall into that middle ground of being both impossible to prove and impossible to disprove for sure, and that's probably why people still talk about them and have interesting discussions and things, so maybe we can be grateful for that. The main thing Barclay has to fall back on here is that no matter how hard somebody insists something is real, Barclay can always ask them how they know it to be real, and the answer is always because they're perceiving it. We can never experience anything directly, like I said earlier, if you see a mountain you don't get an actual mountain appearing in your mind. So Barclay just takes that to its logical conclusion, or maybe logical depending on how you feel about idealism, I guess. So in conclusion, can we ever know that we're not living in a giant fish's dream? Probably not, but hey, we probably just have to act as if we're not, because otherwise we'd never get anything done. If you have strong feelings about whether you're in a fish's dream, why not let me know about it? Leave a comment on theworldredmage.com, hit me up on Twitter at overthinkery1, email philosopheriraga at gmail.com, or just tell all your mates what you think about it, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. In this episode we've touched on appearances and how they might or might not be deceiving. Next time we'll be paying a little visit to our good old friend Immanuel Kant to explore even further whether appearance and reality are the same thing. See you then. Thank you, as always, as ever, as always, as ever, for joining me for this episode of Philosophy Raga, which is written, edited, and produced by me, Chris Dustin, with help from my consulting producer, Moses Norton. All the music for the show is by me, and the show's logo is by Moses Norton, with graphic design from By Wisdom Designs. 
The show is part of the Little Fella Media Podcast Network, sponsored by Buzzsprout, and that's really cool, and there are a bunch of other shows in that network that you would really like, so you should check that out. The Well Read Mage's dream of a better future for gaming discussion and community is made possible by your support, so please do give Philosopher Rugger a like, follow, review, share, tag people you think would enjoy the show, scream about it out of your window, spread the word, I'll love you forever. If you recommend the show to a friend, I promise to manifest in every reality and sing your praises so loudly that all universes vibrate with the force of my voice. This particular flame might be turning to embers for now, but the fire of wisdom never dies. You know it doesn't. Bye-bye. This is Ryan from Retro Game Brewers, and I'm here to talk to you about an entertaining new weekly video game podcast from Blue Williams, the Well-Read Mage, and myself, called Story Mode. We break down the most recent news in gaming, provide our opinions, and debate whenever necessary. Our opinions aren't always the most popular, but these are our stories and we're sticking to them. Story Mode is a part of the Little Fella Media Network and is sponsored by Buzzsprout and is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Story Mode. Stay a while and listen.